Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. It is Wednesday. It is game week. I mean, Power 5 game week. And special treat for you guys, not just today, but for the rest of the season. We're going to do things a little bit differently during the weeks now. On Wednesdays, every week, you're going to have the great Nicole Auerbach. She's going to be with me on Wednesdays. On Fridays, Ari Wasserman. So, Nicole, people like you. They don't like Ari, but they like you. I was so gonna I, say. I was gonna say at least the order is that way, so that like there's no pressure on me, and all the pressure is on Ari to close out the week. You know, like I, I'm. A, I, I accept that. Well, we have a special special challenge for you that you know I, I think is going to become very very synonymous with your brand as we go forward. So we're going to get to that later in the show. But no, I, I'm very excited about this because you've been breaking news like crazy on all this insane stuff that's been going on. But I, I was texting with our producer, John Hayes, this morning, and I said, you know, there probably will be 17 massive news stories between now and when we take the podcast. And he goes, why? What are you hearing? I'm like, I'm hearing it's Tuesday. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, we've, we've barely gone, what, two hours without something crazy happening these days? I mean, even with, you know, some leagues starting up, some not, whole misinformation campaign going on in the Midwest. I mean, it's just, there's just a lot of craziness going Wait, on. Are we talking about Lil Yachty? We're talking about, it's Sir Yacht, first of all. What? Second, it's not It's not the rapper, Lil Yachty? Well, maybe it is. I mean, maybe he's one of the sources. But no, it's just been it's just been an insane stretch here. And I feel like it's going to be insane until we have a schedule from the Big Ten and the Pac-12. Although the Pac-12 does not have near the amount of daily, hourly outrage. As the, I was saying, no politicians sending letters to Larry Scott right now. Uh, but you did have a, a consortium. That's the first time I've ever used that word Ooh, on this podcast, consortium. but a consortium of state legislative leaders from throughout the mi- Midwest, all Republican, sent Larry uh, sent Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, a letter saying, hey, Kevin, let's get this thing going. Come on. <sighs> Election years are rough, even for even for college football. I mean, it, it's I understand why they're doing it, why they're trying to put yeah, political Joe Biden didn't have to this. make that commercial now. Well, I mean. Again, these are battleground states. It's uh, there, there's a lot at stake, um, and they and they obviously want to be on the side of pushing to play football. I absolutely get it. I just I, I don't think that's going to change anything. The vote is decided. The season is postponed. They did not start last Saturday, so we are in a postponed Big Ten season. But given the news out of the Pac-12 last Thursday, and we did see a statement on Tuesday from the Mountain West about something possibly changing following their September 16th meeting because they're going to revisit some stuff. It is possible that things are not as far away as they seemed. You know, the, the Pac-12, they had canceled until January 1st. All sports, can, including basketball, which was, you know, normally starts in November. They were canceling all that till January 1st, but they make a deal with a testing company and they said, you know what, maybe this will allow us to start a little earlier. Yeah, I mean, it was huge, and I thought it was really interesting the way that Larry Scott talked about it because he was pretty honest about, you know, I asked him about that time frame, right? Like, they were they went further than the Big Ten and the Mountain West and these other leagues by affecting non-conference basketball. And he said that this basically changed their timeline by two months. They didn't think that they would have access to rapid daily testing until the end of November. So they're going to have it on all of their campuses by the end of September because of this research partnership as well. 
Um, and so that does speed some things up. I mean, I still think you have some issues about the ramp up period for football. I mean, you've seen Mario Cristobal talk about like he'd like to have eight, nine weeks. I mean, when you think about the Pac-12 You, you saw teams, Navy on Monday night. Not tackling. Yeah, not tackling at all. It makes a big difference. And, you know, you, you have teams in the Pac-12 that haven't been able to work out, like haven't been able to be in gyms. So it's kind of like that conversation we had earlier in the summer of like, how long does a football team need to get to like game shape, like be able to tackle, as you mentioned, in a game effectively, which is not what Navy was able to do. Um, and so I, I do think that's going to be a constraint, but I do think Larry Scott has opened the door to potentially starting the football season in the calendar year of 2020, which we know that the Big Ten, one of their potential models is the weekend after Thanksgiving. So now you are looking at some potential 2020 dates where originally we were talking January is the earliest. I, I don't know how you feel about this, Nicole, but the way I've been looking at the whole Big Ten and Pac-12 scheduling thing I feel like they need to start while the others are still playing. Otherwise, they run the risk of just massive opt-outs from the players who say, well, I'm just going to wait for the quote-unquote real season in fall 2021. Because I, I do think there's a lot of guys who just want to play. But I also think there's a lot of guys who are not necessarily going to want to play two seasons in a calendar year. But if you try to, to start... Because if you start the weekend after Thanksgiving, that means you're practicing in November. Everybody's super fired up because there is football going on, and, and you're watching the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 every week, and you're like, whoa, all right, this is great. And so everybody be super fired up. You get started, and then you're started. And I think once you're underway, then, then you're fine. But I, I worry about them trying to start after those other leagues get done because I think that might cause – them to look at it as like a JV season or not. And, and then you have a bunch of player opt-outs. Well, I think the coaches, part of the reason the coaches are pushing so much for this November, potential November start date, is that, you know, I, I think you do think you can keep your better players on your roster. You think you can keep your roster intact. Um, I, I think that no matter what, you're still going to see opt-outs. We're already still seeing them in the SEC, and they haven't started the season, but they're playing in the fall, and they're playing towards a college football championship, a college football playoff championship. So I think you're still going to have that in certain cases, no matter what at this point. Oh, yeah. You're going to have draft guys opting out, and you're also going to have guys who are just – Yeah, for, they're just skipping the they're year. They're worried. For Kenneth Gainwell is a, a great example. I mean, he lost three family members to covid Yep. Nobody's going to question his decision to opt out. Right. So I think you're going to have that no matter what. But I do think that the coaches who are pushing the hardest for like starting as soon as possible in the Big Ten are thinking that way, that they can keep their roster together in its best possible case scenario if they can play during the calendar year of 2020. And it's probably because of what you're talking about. I mean, you are overlapping. You are starting as early as possible. It does impact the fall 2021 season as little as possible, the earliest you start. So I think... You know, that's definitely part of the calculation. And, you know, I mean, I think it's going to be weird no matter what if it's not moving towards, you know, a postseason that has a college football playoff. You know, if it, if it, if it ends in a Rose Bowl, which ideally I think the Big Ten and the Pac-12 would like to do, I think that's cool. But, yeah, it's going to feel like a – I mean, you can call it a JV season. It's going to feel something different no matter what. But the alternative is not playing at all in the yeah. entire academic year. Yeah, and I, I think that you get people fired up. You do it in a, at a time. And, and maybe you do change the schedule around and you play, let's say you play Ohio State-Michigan the Saturday after Thanksgiving, where it normally gets played, except it's game one instead of 
of game 12. And I think people would go for that. And I realize it's not as satisfying as being able to compete for the national title and all that other stuff, but you know, they sort of opted out of that themselves. So I, I don't think there's much, and I realize there's a lot of, of hopeful thinking that they could somehow get games started by October 10th. And then maybe the other leagues would, would adjust things. I can tell you right now, at least in the last few weeks, the, the attitude of the other leagues toward the big 10 is you decided to go do your own thing. You kind of made your bed. Right. And, and also the attitude, you know, within the big 10 in the leadership, not the coaches is we made a decision to postpone. Here are the scheduling models that we're looking at. The earliest one is the end of November, most likely probably still January ish is what I'm told. And they still, the next step is not picking, you know, an October date out of thin air. It is looking for the medical benchmarks that they're going to use to figure out when they can restart. I mean, that's really where we are. And it's not like the, the, the tail wagging the dog here, which is what this is happening. This is coaches right. who want to play in October. Well, it, it also would look much worse if they just suddenly said, oh, change your minds. We're going to do it in right. October and nothing, nothing materially has changed. Exactly. Nothing has. And so you still have the same issues. And and obviously, daily rapid test changes an equation. But even Larry Scott has been clear that that still doesn't fix everything in the Pac-12. There's a reason they're not restarting practice the day these tests come to campuses, right? You still have state and government and public health officials involvement in all of these things. Um, And we still see outbreaks on these Big Ten campuses that aren't playing games. So, I mean, it's it's all interconnected. I know why everyone wants to come back and play as soon as possible. It's it's really tough to watch the SEC and the Big 12 and the ACC move forward and play in the fall because you, you think, you know, especially if you're on a campus where you feel like you're doing everything right and maybe there isn't an outbreak, so everyone is, you know, there's not that stress on the labs, there isn't that stress in the healthcare system, you think you can play, and I understand that, and that's where it's frustrating. Well, and and, you know, living where I live, the attitude here is it's bothering the Big Ten people who like to hold themselves up as better human beings than everyone else. They don't like getting outmaneuvered by the people they think are dumb. And now, you and I both know people in the SEC, not as dumb as the Big Ten people think they are, but they do not like this because this makes them look bad if the season goes off without a hitch. Now, here's the thing. We're seeing the season getting played, but not in a very holistic way. We're seeing games get moved. And, and Bob Bowlesby, the, the Big 12 commissioner, you, know, you can see him kind of knocking on wood every time he talks. Like yeah. he, he knows one or two things could, could change everything. So he's trying not to say too much because he'd like to see his, his league season get off the ground. Right. And I mean, that's one thing that's been weird about all of this, too, because, again, I understand the tribalism and like this conference pride and the leagues that are playing being really cautiously optimistic about that and their fans really like appreciating that they have games to watch and games to go to. But the question is, like, the, the thing is, it's not gotten off without a hitch, as you as you pointed out. You've had, what, what are we up to, like, seven or eight postponements already yeah. um, of games? And, you know, we're still weeks away from the SEC even starting, so we haven't gotten to kickoff in the league that starts last. And it's just this idea of celebrating as if it's already a successful season when games haven't been played from the Power Five yet. And so I think getting 
you know, X, you know, we could pick a number of games. I mean, if you get like six games in or something that feels like enough to be a season, you know, six out of 10 in the SEC or something, that would be a win, right? That that's getting, well, well you know, who's not celebrating yet is the people in charge of those leagues right, that are planning I, the, to the play. Fans, they, are, they are like, hey, let's let's hold off on this until we actually see some games. Oh, exactly. And that's why it's – so it's a very weird dynamic because, yes, you have all the frustrated people in Big Ten country who are seeing games get played elsewhere or, you know, games going to be played elsewhere. Right. And then you have the people in the, in the leagues that are trying to play hoping and praying that it will go off and be fine um, and they can get these games in. And that, you know, if you do have to postpone, reschedule, you're going to be able to do it in a safe way, that people are going to report their test results and their protocols to the other teams, all of these pieces. So it's still very fragile. Um, And it's funny because before we started recording, you were like, let's talk about if we thought we would ever get here. And it's kind of crazy to be in this point where we are going to have Power 5 games this weekend, um, especially considering, what was it, just about a month ago where the entire enterprise seemed like it was on a ledge and that yeah. you had two Power 5 leagues and two Group of 5 leagues call it. And we all kind of thought, does this mean everybody's about to just shut down? Yeah, and, and the attitude with the leagues that wanted to wait was not – hey, we're definitely going to play. It was, we're just going to give it a few more weeks and see what happens. Now, those few weeks did give them some optimism, and and you've seen some games now, and we'll see. I mean, the ACC and the Big 12 start this weekend with with a few exceptions. I mean, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma State has been moved uh, to, which that one, they both had September 19th open anyway, so why not give yourself a little more time? But the good thing is that it seems like schools are using the flexibility that was built into these schedules. And, you know, we'll see if games get re- get made up or, or played when they're supposed to be played now, but at least that seems to be doing what it was supposed to be doing. Yes, and that's, that's why they built these schedules that way, right? You know, you had those flex games or, or open dates or whatever where things could automatically fold. I mean, we're already seeing when, when you saw SMU-TCU get postponed, and there's a lot of doubt about whether that game is going to be able to be played now, you know, maybe in December if those two teams want to play then. But that's why – this is a perfect example of why you don't – why these leagues went to play mostly conference only, yeah. Because it's a lot easier to move those pieces around when you're in the same league. And that's really, you know, everyone was like, oh, is this about travel, like cutting down on travel? No, it was about the flexibility to move it's the about, games. Yeah, it's about and, – and I I would think this offseason has taught us that once you get outside of the conference level, nobody can say, you do this, now you do this, now you do this. But at least within the conference level, somebody can say that. No, no, you're not going to play this day. You're going to play this day, and you're going to play at this stadium, and you're going to play at this stadium. And, 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 and somebody will listen. Gonna, and you're going to like it. Yeah, you're exactly. Gonna, and you're going to like it. You're going to smile. <laughs> That's right. Now is the time to celebrate. Football is finally back, and DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, has millions of reasons why you should be excited. To kick off the football season, DraftKings is giving New Year's a free shot at a $1 million top prize with a total of $3 million up for grabs for this Thursday's football contest. Get it on Thursday night's single game showdown is easy. All you have to do is download DraftKings using the promo code MAZE. 
Draft six players from the season over. Stay under the salary cap and see how your team stacks up against the competition. So head to the app now and start making it rain. Plus, new users who sign up today on DraftKings using the code MAZE will receive a free shot at the $1 million top prize with your first deposit. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the first game like having a shot at a million-dollar payday. Download the DraftKings app now and use the code MAZE. For a limited time, new users can get a free shot at the $1 million top prize and $3 million in total prizes. Don't miss this extra special week one bonus. Enter code MAZE to get a free shot at the $1 million top prize with your first deposit. That's code MAZE, only at DraftKings. Make it rain. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Time to talk about one of my favorite treats, chicken ribs. That's right, chicken ribs. It's chicken made to eat like a pork rib. Specially cut thigh, one bone left running through it. You eat it off the bone like a rib. It's smothered in pork rub, but 75% less calories and fat. It's great. They come vacuum-packed straight from the smokehouse. You thaw them out. You throw them in your air fryer or on your grill for a few minutes. Maybe kiss it with a little barbecue sauce after that. Give it another minute or two. Let it get that glaze going, that candy paint, and then you eat it up. It is tremendous. Great barbecue takes time, but chicken ribs makes it easy. Fully cooked from the smokehouse. Chicken ribs are authentic barbecue ready in just minutes. Go to www.chickenribs.com and use the code Andy to get $10 off plus free two-day shipping. That's chickenribs.com, code Andy, for $10 off plus two-day shipping. This is a segment that, that John Hayes, our producer, and I have cooked up. And we want to showcase Nicole's range because, again, she's been breaking stories on all this stuff. But this, the flow of news has been so fast and furious that there's just no way to keep track of it all. There's no way to write a whole story on everything. So we're going to have Nicole give us a little snippet on every news story, her hottest takes on each of these news stories. And we're going to call it Power Hour if you were in college, you, you may have partaken in a power hour or two, and it's basically uh, you do a certain thing once every minute for 60 minutes and, and hope everything's okay. Uh, for Nicole, it's going to be talking about the news for a minute. And uh, we'll see, that, that minute goes faster than you think, but we'll, we'll get it started right now. When news breaks, the Athletics' Nicole Auerbach is there. But sometimes so much news breaks that she can only spend one minute on each story. It's time for Power Hour. That voiceover guy deserves a raise. That is all I know. He is fantastic. Someone had a lot of fun. Someone had some time on their hands, didn't they? Somebody was messing with the echo button (laughs) quite a bit. Quite a bit. But no, Nicole, it it has been pretty typical today of of most of the days that we're dealing with here. So I've got a lot of stories for you. We're going to do three. I could probably do about 10, but we're only going to do three. So we will start with story number one. Oklahoma coach Lincoln Riley says the Sooners will not be divulging how many COVID positives they had because it might give their opponents a competitive advantage. Go! 
So this was disappointing because Oklahoma had been one of the most transparent programs in the country in terms of their data, their protocols, their testing. So this isn't terribly surprising because we've had a number of programs throughout the country not tell us anything up until now, and they're definitely not telling us anything in season. Um, but it's frustrating because this is obviously a public health issue and not an issue of gamesmanship like it is with injuries. Um, I would hope that at the very least they are going to be still reporting to their public officials and also their opponents. Um, but again, it's just it's 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 tough for a sport that hasn't had much transparency around this during a public health issue. And it's disappointing because Lincoln Riley had been really a proponent of that transparency prior to now. So it got, you know, a significant amount of backlash and, and rightfully so, because again, you know, they were kind of the gold standard of being transparent. Well, I didn't even have to hit the I didn't get to hit the buzzer. You did in 56 seconds. I'm hitting it anyway. Okay, the next you, okay. There we go. <laughs> okay, next time I'll, I'll go I'll go the full minute. Oh my. All right. So, yeah, I, we, we will have to we'll work on our buzzer situation. But <laughs> number two, the University of Colorado has partnered with PointsBet, a, a gambling service. Uh, they have a corporate partnership. Sportico first to report this, and Colorado has officially announced it now. Nicole, what do you think? College sports and gambling getting in bed together. This is really funny because I think it was like a two, full two-year span where NCAA president Mark Emmert told us like this would be the death of college sports, legalizing sports betting throughout the country. And then nothing has really happened. <laughs> You've had sports betting become legal throughout in many, many states. Um, some of them have it really easy. Like, you know, I'm from New Jersey. New Jersey has a very easy way to do it. Mobile. Um, it's been a huge boon to businesses um, throughout the country, including in Colorado. So it's pretty fascinating and funny. Like, I remember seeing ads for FanDuel on basketball courts and thinking that was really funny. And this is like a different level of, of humor because, again, you were told all of these things were incompatible with college sports for so, so long. And it turns out if the money is right and you can launch a partnership with someone, you will. But I will say one of the things that's going to be good about you know launching partnerships, even if it's just from a corporate level, is these are the companies that track irregular activity and can help find problems. That's it. Can't talk about it anymore. No, it's, <laughs> it's, it's funny. And the Colorado thing is amazing to me because I, uh, Bob, uh, Bob Holt, B. Holton, I almost, I almost called him Bob Holt, our friend from the Arkansas Democratic Gazette. But B. Holton on Twitter, who's one of our regular listeners, he tweeted at me today. He said, listen, they've got their gambling partnership. They're, they're in Colorado. They need a weed partnership mm. and then a pizza chain partnership. And then they would have the triumvirate. Maybe that's next. This is a three-part plan. A tripartite plan? <laughs> I love that's tripartite actually, plans. That's a really good, that's a really good, you know, I, I probably would have started with weed, then go with pizza, then gambling, but you know, you could go with gambling first. I'm, I'm a little worried that the weed dulls the desire to, to get some action on the game. Or Do the you need speed, action if you're, if you're stoned? Or the speed at which you are placing your bets. Exactly. You know? it could mm, it's now, it, it will increase the speed at which you order pizza. Yes. So that not part a bad, works. Not, not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. I think that those are the three, the three prongs for this plan. Yeah, that's what it is. It is. I think there's some planning there, but I do wonder when the conference and the NCAA officials go before Congress next week, because they're again, they're still trying to work out that name, image and likeness deal and, and trying to get it as favorable to the schools as humanly possible. 
How do you square that? Well, and also, and I know we still have one more buzzer. I know you're itching. I can see you getting ready to press the buzzer. Um, but we can talk about this later or next week too. But like, they're also going to be asking about, hey, how are you still having your football teams practice when you're sending people home for online classes? So there, there's going to be a lot for Congress to talk about. But yes, I cannot wait for them to ask about a gambling partnership with the, with the college program. All right. Story number three, a statement that came out Tuesday from the ACC. It says, the ACC's principal priority as we approach fall competition is the mental and physical well-being. I'm sorry, I fell asleep. Okay. Basically, they're still going to play. That's what they're saying. Nicole, the ACC has released a statement. Is it officially official that all this stuff's going to officially, officially happen? Good question. I, I think so. I mean, it was funny. You saw the release and you're like, well, what prompted this? Because it's game week and we thought that you would be playing this weekend, right? Like there are games on the schedule. And Miami plays UAB on Thursday. Yeah, we're two days away. We're recording this. So I, uh, you know, I asked Amy Okola, who's, um, you know, a spokesperson for the league, and she just said that the presidents wanted to reaffirm all of these things as they start play. Um, I kind of took some of it to be like an unofficial postponement policy as well, that they're just going to work with their schools to figure out if they can or can't play games, which they already did. NC State, Virginia Tech got postponed already. Um, so yeah, I think it's just a, yep, we remain committed to play and maybe we'll get these every week from every league. Just like we remain committed to play football this week because we, we got so many of those throughout the summer. I guess people just kind of missed giving us those kind of like non-update updates and throwing out a lot of jargon about safety and protocols and the willingness to be flexible. Um, and they just missed it so much that they had to do it again. And, and, you know, maybe we'll get this on a weekly basis. That's it. You can't talk anymore about it. No. Uh, the, the physical and mental well-being of our student-athletes. It has to be in every, every, every statement. Every statement from anyone in college sports. But back to Lincoln Riley. Breaking news, everyone. Paranoid coaches are paranoid. Still. I mean, that, that's all this is. They held themselves out as the paragon of virtue right up until they had to play a game. Listen, there is a reason that the pro leagues are doing things like COVID lists. They also have injury lists. They have, this is all transparent in those leagues. And for gambling purposes. Oh, wait. Well, oh, wait. Colorado now has a gambling partnership. Do they have to release their Colorado's Colorado's not playing. <laughs> when they return, can they, do they, are they going to be the only school required to have a COVID list? I mean, so it, it's interesting because you have that transparency in the pros um, and then you have privacy laws that experts say these schools are trying to hide behind, but they really don't cover them. And so I, I just think it's not surprising. We have seen so much paranoia out of these coaches. We have seen them be so vague about injuries for so long that it's still for injuries. It's up to each school if they're willing to put out like a here's our probable, questionable and out players list. And it's like three schools in the country that send those out every week. So it's not surprising that they're going to do the same thing about, you know, COVID, even though this is a public health issue and not an issue, like a broken leg is not contagious, but, but COVID is. So you, you do need to know that before you start a game, but I guess they just feel like the public does not need to know that. No. And, and they're not going to tell us that. And by the way, kids gambling on college football this year, probably not the wisest move. I saw a lot of, Whoa, Navy plus one. That's easy money. No, it's not. I, again, you have no information. The whole point about gambling is trying to be informed before you decide to put money at stake. 
There's going to be no information in college football this year. So good luck. Like, Ari can yell at everyone about this on Friday, but like, I, I don't understand how anyone... Stars don't matter as much. Well, or they matter, or they're the only thing that matters. I don't know. It also matters if you tackle before you start playing, like as we, as we learned from Navy. So I, I don't know how anyone would feel comfortable putting any money on any games this season. You don't even know who's going to play. Yeah, I mean, if you have some inside info that your team has actually been hitting and had a normal camp, then maybe you you would feel comfortable putting a, a couple units down on them. But are you are you confident that your team has all their long snappers? We've learned that that can be a problem. Oh God, don't even get me started <laughs> on that. Now now we're gonna call Max Olson and we're gonna get the RPPO plug hard. Oh yes, you guys are hardcore. Yes, you guys are all over it. Oh, it's please. You don't even need your long snappers if if you can get across, get across your own forty. Just snap the ball to your quarterback, let him kick it over the deep this, safety. This, it's the easiest this will thing. This literally the world. not be the only time that you're going to be able to plug this. This is going to happen a lot. It's also not the easiest thing in the world. You, I talked to Will Healy, who was uh, at Austin P before Austin P was the school that had no long snappers and had to do this. He was at Austin P before he moved on to Charlotte, and he said, "Yeah, Jeremiah Oatsfall, really good punter for a quarterback." They aren't all like that. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe maybe it's not the, the most airtight idea, but we like it. Max and I like it, so we're going to stick with it. We'll be right back to the show, but first we've got to talk about Home Field Apparel. That is the most comfortable shirt you ever wore with the coolest old-school logo from your favorite school. Indiana fan, Mississippi State fan, Purdue fan, Colorado School of Mind fans. They got you covered. And right now, if you're a Syracuse fan, get yourself to homefieldapparel.com. So much auto the orange merchandise. It's brand new. It's so cool. The best logos, not the corporate stuff you can get now that's boring and approved by a bunch of focus groups. No, this is the good stuff that came out in the 40s and the 50s and the 70s and the 80s. We skipped the 60s. I don't know why. They, these are logos from throughout the history of your school, and they are so much cooler than anything else you can get now. And Homefield Apparel puts it on the most comfortable t-shirts and sweatshirts that you will ever find in your life. So show some school spirit for your favorite team or for your alma mater. Go to homefieldapparel.com and use code Andy for 20% off your first purchase. College football is back, baby! That's homefieldapparel.com and use code Andy for 20% off your first purchase. Nicole, let's talk about some actual football, though, because there are games. Yes. ACC and Big 12 getting started. The Americans already started. The Sun Belt's already started. Conference USA's already started. So what games are you most excited about this week? Well, I am... Pretty excited because we actually have some conference games in the ACC. Um, I think that was something, mm-hmm. obviously we didn't have Power 5 football last weekend, but, you know, there's there's also just a little bit more oomph behind some of these games. So, like, um, you know, Duke-Notre Dame because, you know. And it, That's a conference game. It's a conference game, game which I'm just going to – I I don't know if that novelty is going to wear off at any point, but just looking at Notre Dame's schedule, looking at these games being like this is a full conference member – just continues to stun me. Um, and I will just continue to think about that. And actually I learned in my reporting of, 
you know, how BYU rebuilt their own schedule is that they could have played Notre Dame. They had a shared open date. They could have finally finished out their contract. Um, so I'm a little bummed about that because that's Notre Dame going to a conference and getting that life raft. But I'm excited to see that game. Um, I do want to see Chase Bryce um, at quarterback for Duke. We, we barely saw him at Clemson, but, you know, he was good when we, we saw, saw him. We saw him save a national title. We did. He did do that did. in Syracuse in 2019, uh, 2018. A couple years ago. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited for that one. Um, and I, I think to, you know, obviously, you know, Clemson is a team that I picked to win the national championship. I don't think it's going to be very close against Wake Forest who lost, um, you know, a couple of their best players this offseason. So, but they still got Boogie Basham, though. And, it, you know, and again, it's still it's on the road. We'll see um, in that one. And, um, you know, I think those are probably the two. I want to see North Carolina, Sam Howell. They've had a ton of hype this offseason. would like to see, you know, what they look like um, offensively, defensively. Um, and, yeah, maybe Louisville. I guess it's, it's more of these teams that I'm expecting to take kind of big jumps in the ACC. And, and those are the teams, I think, that are going to make the race interesting because you don't have divisions. Um, you've obviously got Clemson as the heavy favorite, Notre Dame as a predicted second-place finisher. But, like, three through whatever, eight, is totally up for grabs in that league. So, um, you know, I think we'll get a glimpse at, at some of those teams. So, I mean, that's where I'm looking. Um, I, I do think there's some potentially under-the-radar interesting matchups. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm more excited about Army than I was a week ago after what that, we saw. Yeah, Middle Tennessee State was supposed to be pretty good, yeah. and, and Army looked great. So I'm excited about Thursday because I want to see Miami running this offense. Uh, this the, Rhett Lashley is the new offensive coordinator. He comes from the Gus Malzahn tree. He was at SMU with Sonny Dykes last year. Derek King comes to play quarterback for them from Houston. Miami should have been running this offense back in 2008. You know, it's, I mean, back in Randy Shannon, like Rand, maybe Randy Shannon never gets fired if they've switched to a, an up-tempo spread. They're finally doing that. They're, they're finally running an offense that suits the athletes they have nearby. So I like that. I'm excited to see that. The other ACC game that I'm pretty excited to see is Florida State-Georgia Tech because I got a feeling Florida State's going to be pretty good. You know, they, they, they were very undisciplined under, under Willie Taggart. Their offensive line was, was still a mess. I think that's going to be a little bit better under Mike Norvell. And their defense, nobody noticed was good because the offense was so bad. But the defense was good. It's going to be better this year. Our, our guy, Dane Brugler, our, our draft guru, has three of their starters on defense in his top 50 big board. So I got a feeling they're going to be pretty good this year. So I want to see that against a conference opponent right out of the gate. I was at Virginia Tech, Florida State, Willie Tiger's first game. That was a mess. Like you could tell this is going to be bad. And I was the one I was one of the people who said they thought Willie Tiger would do well at Florida State. And after that game I was like, "Uh-oh, this this is not pretty." I have a feeling we will be saying the opposite after we see them play on Saturday. Well, I think too, um, you know, considering the off season they had and and they were, you know, in the news for some wrong reasons and some miscommunication and um I, I think that they can only really improve and go up from here. I mean, it's been so long since you know, that fan base and, and college football media just as a whole was excited about the hire because it was a great hire. Um, and so, you know, I think that's going to be really interesting to, to, to watch and, and to play out. And then, you know, I mean, Georgia Tech, it's, it's going to be another tough year. Transitioning out of the option is going to be a challenge no matter where you are. But, you know, what, what can they measure success in year two for Jeff Collins? I don't, what are we calling it? Is this week two? 
Last week was week one. I, I guess so. I okay. guess it is week, week two. Week one taught me that the off season, everyone being home for a few months, like not having enough time, you know, maybe to go, you know, maybe you got to do base offense, base defense. You know, you didn't have enough time to implement all these things. You didn't have, an, you, you weren't in the weight room the entire summer. Like we do need to recalibrate our expectations for the quality of play. Like I don't think some of these early season games will be as finely tuned as they will be later yeah. in the season. I mean, when the when the basic question is, did a team hit at all, even once in practice? That is, you, you got a pretty broad range of outcomes. Well, and and that's why Temple pushed back its game against Navy. They basically were like we are not in football shape, so we're going to play this game later. We haven't had time yeah. to we, hit we, in practice. We, we don't want to do to them what BYU did to them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, that, was, that was horrible to watch. And, and I got to say, I'm glad for Navy that nobody got hurt because that's the thing that we have almost forgotten about with all the, the worrying about COVID is you can get seriously injured playing football and if you're not in game shape, you are at much higher risk of getting injured. So thank goodness nobody got seriously hurt for Navy last night because they were not prepared. And, and Kimney Amatololo took all the blame for that. I mean, he was probably too hard on himself. But that's the deal. I mean, they're going to need to figure out a way to hit more if they're going to play because otherwise they're, they're not safe. Well, and, and think about, again, as we were talking about earlier, you know, this ramp-up period for, for the Pac-12 and the Big Ten as they, like, you know, once they eventually, you know, come up with their schedules and when they're going to play, it's all about that, like, acclimatization period of getting into game shape. And this was something that, you know, coaches were talking about early in the pandemic, AFCA, the Football Oversight Committee. Everyone's trying to figure out what that number was. And the NCAA eventually made a six-week ramp-up period. So, so yeah. you got to think about, you've had a lot of teams that had disruptions to that and had to quarantine people or weren't hitting or weren't, you know, upgrading at each phase that they were able to. So there's probably a lot of teams that just aren't going to be where they need to be to start. And that's what you're, to your point, that is, this is a safety question. Um, so that's why you've seen, again, Temple making that decision. That was a safety decision to say, like, we're not safe enough to play this game. So from a actual gameplay standpoint for the ones that are going to play games, you know what that means, Nicole? What? Blowouts and shootouts. Yes, which we saw a lot of blowouts in week one. So I think that that's fair. Oh, low key. Here's a sneaky good game. Charlotte App State. Oh, yeah. So excited for that Two, two teams that will probably be very prepared in spite of all this stuff. Well, and there's just there's just a really good tradition there. I mean, you talked about Will Healy. I spent a week with them last year when they were preparing to play Clemson. And, you know, where he does his weekly radio show, it's like a bunch of App State. It's like kind of an App State bar. And he's like befriended a bunch of these App State fans. And so every time, you know, we were there and it was like three or four weeks after they had played. Um, but they've, they've got like, there's just a lot of ties between the programs now because I think that they've won over a lot of people about the way that they're building Charlotte there's a lot of respect from App State. So anyway, I'm excited for that game. That actually might end up being the best game in the noon window. So just throwing that out there in case I end up being right, then I can claim that I called that. And it's on ESPN2, which mm. never would have been on there. And and by the way, App State promoted Sean Clark, yep. offensive line coach to head coach. Memphis promoted Ryan Silverfield. He had his first victory as a head coach 
on Saturday against Arkansas State. So go offensive line coaches, promoted head coach. We need more of those. I'm not surprised that you're a fan of that. Huge, huge, huge fan of that, Nicole. Huge, huge fan. fan of that. <laughs> Nicole Auerbach, it has been a pleasure. I am so excited that you're going to be here every week. And I can't wait for the next power hour. And I promise to get the buzzer right this time. Great. Um, one of these power hours, we'll have to do it with actual beer and see where that goes. That can be like a bonus pod. Yeah. It, it, once you get past the hour mark, it could get ugly. And, <laughs> and then if I have to do some ad reads, <laughs> we can do Home like- Field Apparel <laughs> is the best t-shirt I ever wore. They got Syracuse now, Otto the Orange, and they got Blaster the Burrow from Colorado School of Mines. See? That, that, to me, that shirt, sounds really man. appealing. We'll, we'll work on I it. I love this company. I love it so much. No, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm a very loving drunk, so it, it, it'll, be, it'll be good. Our advertisers will love it, if nothing else. Nicole Auerbach, thank you so much. And uh, we'll be here on Friday. Any words of wisdom for Ari Wasserman? Uh, you know, I, I just, I think you, my words of wisdom are for you, Andy. I wish you would, I I would like you to ask him about Bruce's story about three-star recruits hitting it big in the NFL. Come back Friday. You get to hear a human being's head explode on the air. It's going to be great. We'll talk to you then.